The Lave Review Project was our last best hope for news. A self-contained podcast two hours long, located in neutral territory. A place of nonsense and innuendo for forum dads, community members and developers. A shining beacon in space, all alone on a Tuesday night. It was the dawn of the third chapter of Elite. The year's space legs came upon us all. This is the story of the last of the Labian stations. The year is 3307. The name of the place? Lave Radio. Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 333 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Souverain, because uh, Phoenix to Fire is currently being flagellated by his partner for having the temerity to speak after 10.30 at night. Um, let your thoughts go out to him, listeners. It really is very tragic. He is at this very moment being whipped to within an inch of his life um, for daring to disturb the marital peace. Uh, so late in the evening. Um, so loving every minute of it, isn't he? Soon? He's <laughs> really enjoying himself. He's absolutely having a whale of a time. Yeah. Uh, well, join, um, joining me this evening in the Orange Sidewinder Bar, we have um, we have the man who will utter a single solitary innuendo and then do his absolute level best to say absolutely nothing for the rest of the evening. It's Ben Moss Woodward, aka Commander Edelweiss. Well, apparently, I'm not allowed to talk about having a heli- helicopter dick. Good. Good. Uh, also joining me, we have uh, the man who can destroy an SRV at 12 kilometres with nothing but coarse language. It's Commander Shan. I'm sorry, Steve. I very, very rarely swear or utter expletives or crude in any way. And the SRVs Fuck of the bubble utter a sigh of relief. Uh, and we also have um, the adult in the room. It is the lovely WK Jez off of System Chat. Hello! Hello, it's great to be here, though uh, I don't usually frequent bars often, so I, I feel I'm in a very uh, safe, safe one. No, that's incorrect. This is a oh. very unsalubrious bar, uh, and you should feel uh, you should feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you wish, you can join Ben live. He is uh, currently shuttling survivors out of Lave Station. Um, ben, what are you? What are you flying? What are you doing? Tell us about it. I'm well. I'm currently actually just looking outside while I'm doing chatty things because landing and landing and getting buffeted around in a beluga is hard enough without trying to do a radio show as well. Lovely. But, so but, uh, yeah. But when I'm not talking and you know and not making innuendos, I'll be trying to fly my beluga in and out of that big slot. 
Great. So if you want to go and see Ben plunge his beluga repeatedly in and out of uh, of that tight slot, then head over to Lave. Um, right. Let's uh, let's kick off with Jez. Jez, um, actually, I ought to just quickly big up your your show. Uh, System Chat is uh, you can find at uh, www.systemchat.live. It is hosted by uh, Jez and Boss Lady B. I was on it uh, a week ago, something like that, and it was really fun, a lovely experience. And those guys um, are terribly nice hosts and cover all things content creation in the world of space sims. Uh, so, Jez, how have you been for the last week, and what have you been up to? Um, I've been very well, thank you for asking, and, and thanks for the for the kind words. Um, I've been working quite a lot behind the scenes because we had a, a tremendous error in the audio file last week, so I've been trying to redo all of my system. But, was I uh, was I the uh, the enormous error? Yes, and I'm glad I uh, was asked to come on tonight so that I could um, yeah you know make you feel uncomfortable about about it live on air. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Have you been uh, have you been getting involved in the station rescues? I have because, um, like our, our good friend Ben here, we uh, we both share a love for belugas. Though uh, his his handling of the mail slot so far seems more effortless than my own. Wow, I have never heard such praise. Have you ever crossed belugas with Ben? Have you ever had a beluga off? Uh, no, unfortunately, our people, uh, Aaron, did a risk assessment and we realised that Ben's philosophy on safety was um, always optional. Yeah, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't cover the, uh, the insurance. It, it just wouldn't happen. <laughs> I, I very nearly just got blown off the pad. Oh, that's a, that's a shame. Um, yeah. Try better next time. Um, ben, how has your week been? Um, my week's been a mixture of awesome and more awesome. Um, I've... Well, I'm trying to... Yeah, lot, just quite a few good things have happened. Um, I got some money off a Logitech keyboard to replace my broken one and that's come through uh, fairly quickly it took about three or four days instead of the two weeks that they were suggesting so yay um i've also managed to get rid of my broken one by saying this one's broken come and get it so that's more yay um and i people um, to- people disparage talking uh, dealing with massive companies but I tell you what Dealing with massive tech companies is actually really brilliant sometimes. Like, whenever I've had a problem with my um, Oculus Rift, they, I just send it back and they send me a new one. Like, it's just so easy. Do you know what I mean? Like, massive yeah. Logitech are the same. Whenever I've had any problem with a the peripheral, they just, they just deal with it instantly. It's, Logitech um, have been brilliant. Thrustmaster can suck on a helicopter. I think they're um, famously shit, aren't they, Thrustmaster? They, Thrustmaster, I cannot believe how bad Thrustmaster have been. You know, I want to love their products. I, you know, I'm, I love the Thrustmaster Hot SX, which I used for many years, uh, and it was great. Hmm. I then very happily got the T16000, and I've had three of them, four of, three or four of them break on me, um, all under warranty, thankfully. But, get, you know, it was like... That's shockingly bad. Yeah, you would not expect... <laughs> you. Know, you would not. So basically, when it broke the last time, it was just like, okay, sorry guys, but I am not. You know, and I thankfully it was under uh, under Amazon. Uh, I got it under Amazon, so Amazon basically said, Ben, take your money back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and What's, I was like, what is the warranty period out of interest? It's a, two, I think it's two year warranty. I think it is. 
Gosh, they, that is that that that's ambitious. Uh, selling things, selling joysticks to elite elite dangerous players with two year warranties is uh, is on the optimistic but, side, isn't it? I mean, so, but yeah, you wouldn't expect your joystick to start breaking with the same breakage, and it's a very common issue with that joystick as well. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm far from the first person to have it. And yeah. touch wood, I went, I took, I think it was Max recommendation, and got the VKB Gladiator next to replace that one that I got my money back for. And touch wood, that one's lovely. Good. Uh, but obviously I've not had it for two years yet, so hey. Is, is, does that have a two-year warranty as well? I, I, I can't actually remember. I honestly, I honestly can't remember. All I know at the moment is because of Brexit, they're basically saying, dear people in Britain, sucks to be you. <laughs> Excellent. All, all the thrills and spills of consumer electronics. Uh, Shan, how has your week been? Um, it's been pretty good. Um, in game, I have been looking to restock my supply of enzyme bombs. Um, I, I sold out of them uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had about I had about a hundred enzyme bombs a couple of weeks ago, and they all sold out. So I'm and there was a run on them, was there? There was, yes. Yeah, um, interesting. interesting. So I've been uh, I've been trying to replace them in game. Um, I did actually rescue some people from Lave Station. Um, but then I found out if you, you can um, get us in them. And uh, yeah. I, I, I would like to say that um, one of them may or may not have been Colin. So <laughs> if, 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 it's if a definitive you, statement you can say about every human being, uh, human being in the bubble, really, isn't it? Every single well, human may or may not be Colin. Yeah, Schrodinger's Colin. Um, yeah, so I've been, and then uh, apparently they. Um, finding their way to meet Etienne Dawn. So I'm sure they are nice and happy out in Colonia and safe from all blowing up stations now. It, I mean, uh, it, the, the, the ethics of that really depend on whether it is better to die burning in a, uh, in a gently depressurizing um, on-fire station or uh, being made into suspicious sausages in Etienne Dawn's Colonia sausage factory. Well, you... Not my problem. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that was it. Looking for a new supply of enzyme bombs and uh, did a couple of rescues of passengers to... Uh, well, the trouble is with the passenger rescue, they don't actually pay very well, not mm. per passenger. And um, I've had more modular terminals than I know what to do with. So it's you kind don't do of it for like... the fuzzy feels then, Shan? No, of course not. No. Have, you ever, have you ever experienced a fuzzy feel, Shan? With Mrs. Shan, yes. Um, <laughs> Moving on. Well, my uh, week then, has I mean, been, Hang on, hang on, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and uh, in, in, in real life, um, I have been uh, test driving um, cars to, for uh, Mrs. Shan's second EV. So I've been enjoying, enjoying test driving cars today. Do you, mean she, do you mean she needs two, presumably EV as electric vehicle? Well, we've got we've got the Tesla, and we we, we want a second car. You see, Cause yeah, because okay. the mini the eldest mini Shan is off to join the RAF or complete his officer training soon, so he will be taking his car with him, mm. which leaves us with a requirement for a second car. You see, is he the bugaleer who rides horses? No, or are, are they? Oh God, I, I, I lose I lose track of all of of your. Of your uh, two children, your, your many, your many patriotic children scampering around the country. No, no, the youngest mini Shan is learning to drive tanks this week. Right, 
So okay. he so he's uh, learning to drive. I think it's Simitars he's learning to drive in, and he has a driving test for a tank on Thursday. Nice. Uh, it's a mini shan for uh, yeah. his tank test. Well, I, I'm I, I'm sure it's quite easy not because you won't really notice if you hit anything or not. I suppose with them. So yeah, that's true. And, and fingers crossed the instructor wouldn't either. Um, you know, I, I, I can imagine test scenarios along the lines of that. Uh, that felt like quite a squishy obstacle. Was that a was that a passenger? Was that a um, a pedestrian? You just you just ran over? No, 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 definitely not. That was um that was just a that was just the curb. Um, I imagine that it's probably quite easy to bluff that sort of thing in a tank. Yeah, well, he, apparently he's really enjoying himself in it. Um, so, of course, when he says it's a little tank, I have um, I, I have images of uh, Lieutenant Gruber from <laughs> Lava <Lalo. laughs> in his little tank. Lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's been that's been my week. Um, so, if you know anyone who's selling enzyme bombs, let me know because I need to restock. Good stuff. Well, I have been uh, I've been diligently uh evacuating lave station um which was fun i did i did a whole trip and um i really really love those stations i think the music and the 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 voice acting and the 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 animations and everything it's just really good really really dramatic um apart from that i've been uh busily um uh i've been continuing with my little unofficial uh, Lave Radio listener slash host uh, Total War Warhammer Club. Um, we are now up to four people and uh, merrily playing uh, co-op campaigns together three or four times a week, which is good fun. Um, and um, and we've also been, uh, this is probably one for the community section, but we've also been gearing up for the return of the print edition of Sagittarius Eye, uh, which I'll talk a little bit more about later. Um, so lots of exciting things. Um, anyway, let's let's talk about development news. What have the devs said this week? Uh, on Thursday, we had a stream in which the devs Zach and Bruce rescued some people fr- from burning stations, like the rest of us have been doing. Uh, who watched this? I watched this. Can you tell us about it, Ben? Because I didn't. That surprises me a humongous amount. Um, <laughs> but sarcasm aside, um, it was a stream about Bruce and, and them rescuing people from the burning stations. How many did uh, they rescue? Oh, probably five. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 I learned something that I never knew. What was that? You know when you're picking and choosing your missions, mm. and you, you know, you know how when we accept finalize a mission, you can say, "I want that one, that that reward, or that reward." That yeah. Well, I never realised that you could go off and have your rewards in your mission picking screen to show you the materials you would get or the money you would get or a a reputation or influence things and so on. Mm. I never knew that. Interesting. So, of course, you know, I'm not doing this for credits. I'm doing it for Matt. So, Ben, they rescued five people. Yes. So that makes me a better Thunderbird than them. And me. Not exactly remarkable. raising the bar very high, but yes, it does. Uh, Zach is the new CM, isn't he? Yeah. Hmm. Nice. Um, and um, yeah, the, the filtering is. Uh, I, I love UI stuff like that. I, f- I feel like Elite yeah. could do with quite a lot of, um, I, a lot I, more I, filters. And that I sort was of thing. delighted when I learned that. And I was like, oh my God, that's so good. Hmm. It's very yeah. useful, but it does remind me of playing Spreadsheet Elite, sort by materials, sort by this. And it's very spreadsheet like, isn't it? 
Yeah, but that's useful. It's handy. Um, did you say you're saving up modular terminals, Ben? I don't think I did. I thought, I thought you mentioned modular no, terminals. No, no, right? no. I said I was fed up with modular terminals as rewards. I wanted something different, so that's why I was selling the yeah. um, the passengers because I, I didn't want you know. You didn't want it, no, no. Well, don't insult me by trying to give you modular terminals. I want give me something tangible that I can actually use. I mean, I'm saving your life here. Give me something yeah. worthly. Don't try and fob me off. I mean, currency's not been terrible. You know, even not going for money, I've like, yeah, I can. I'm walking out of there with a couple of million per loop. A couple of million. I, you're you're cheap, Ben. You're well, cheap. Mate. cheap. You're he does cheap it for the fuzzies. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I doesn't doesn't for the fuzzies. And have you been playing the other game, Ben? Have you been? Uh, have you been? Have you been uh, cheating I, been, on a link? I, I, I'm well. You, you, we know mm. I'm a complete whore, and I play everything. Actually, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I, I even loaded up Fortnite today. <laughs> nice. Exactly. Were you, were you cruising the lobbies hoping to find uh, children's birthday parties to join? <laughs> uh, my, 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 my son started playing Fortnite, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to install that again, aren't I? As I died ah. on the inside. That's a really good excuse, Ben. Yeah, fresh meat, I imagine. All those, <laughs> all those friends of his. Yes. That you can't wait. Lovely stuff. Um, and have you been playing any RimWorld this week? I have been playing some RimWorld, yes. Um, yeah, my most recent ex- es- escapades in that was I took my, my poor civilians, well, citizens, off to a burning city that is basically getting blown up. Um, but if I go around the burning city, then I can also... And dodge the laser beams of death, you know, iron cannons and stuff like that. Then I can walk out of there with fat loot. Mm, nice. I've just had a thought. I've just had a thought. We have now yeah. been talking about our week for the the uh, for the last nearly twenty minutes. And poor Colin, he hates us when we take a really long time to talk about what we're doing for the week. And well, we actually on. we actually did move on to development news, but then yeah, I but got now in- we've come back. Yeah, you see, so. So sorry, Colin. What, what you'll have... two steps back? Yeah, you I'm sure, Colin, you'll love to spank Ben later for dragging the show off track. So I, I'm sure you'll be after being spanked by Mrs. Colin. You can then spank Ben. I think that's well, uh, cut it off. Yeah. All the techniques. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so you, you're saying Colin and uh, Colin gets his spanking techniques from Mrs. Colin? Well, that would make sense, wouldn't it? I don't know. It makes more sense than any alternatives that I can currently think of at the moment. We'll have to ask him when he comes back. Uh, but no, you're right. I shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't go on to asking you uh, what other games you've been playing because I should have done that earlier. Um, let's carry on with the development news. Uh, so Tuesday stream announced some uh, new cosmetics and things for Hollow Me when we launch when Odyssey launches. Do we know uh, what these might be? Have they said anything about what? these cosmetics and hollow me things might look like not in a public way that i'm aware of no it's just been a case of yeah i think there was paraphrasing but it's like well yeah you're going to be able to get out and walk around and things like that it would make a lot of sense if you could actually update what your avatar looks like yeah 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 gone probably more gimp suits (laughs) (laughs) um, which is the mmo that has the the most powerful free cosmetic you can get the most powerful one in the base game is a ghillie suit Hello. is it That's... um i think it might be um i think it might be black desert online apparently the the big the most the most uh the most powerful 
uh, player outfit, you can the most powerful bit of gear that you don't buy with real world cash is is something that's that's explicitly designed to make you look like an idiot. No idea. I don't know, but it's a little bit. Yeah, we'll have to see what they look like. But seeing as your avatar is going to look exactly the same as all the other avatars apart from the face, I'm not sure how unique it will they will be because part of the not fun, but part of the whole being able to walk around and things outside of a uh, outside of a ship and certainly in third person is being able to customize the looks of your avatar, both height and width and all stuff like that to make it look unique. But now we'll yeah. just have everyone being the same height and the same width. And, and if they're wearing a, a suit with a helmet on, they'll look exactly the same as everyone else. So, Well, and, unless the cosmetic option is quite creative. Yeah, but if you can buy them with arcs, then they're not really unique, are they? You just pay your money and you look the same. Oh, yeah, but we can, even now, with our current stuff, you can customise all your clothing and things like that. You know, I've not seen many people, for example, who are wearing... You know, I've not seen many people's avatars wearing the same stuff that I'm wearing. Well, the colours are often um, different, but the, we, only have, yeah. we only have a few outfits to choose from. Yeah. Um, do um, I don't think the fact that they're purchasable with arcs means that they're necessarily going to be more limited than they would be if they were in the, if they were available. If anything, for I'd say it'd be more 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 choice because you've yeah. got to make those arcs. Yeah, personally, I would really like to see capes and things. I'd really like to see no capes. Lando Lando Calrissian style uh, capes and um, yeah. Apes and jetpacks don't mix. Look at Boba Fett. It's just bad <laughs> no, you can put it underneath. It'll be fine. Underneath <laughs> a jetpack, wouldn't that like set you become a, a fireball shooting in the sky like a firework? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not like a Superman cape, man. Then maybe maybe just like something rakishly thrown over a shoulder. Yeah, like they like. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of um, sort of the the way. Um, Something that you could use to to disguise yourself if you wanted, and that could be like a, a half. You mean a hoodie? No, not a hoodie. <laughs> uh, but what would you like to see out of a shell suit from the nineties or something? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I would actually, I would definitely buy and wear that. That would be that would go really well with uh, with Commander Souverine's uh, epic moustache. So would you be like Vicky Pollard then? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. Know, I'd probably be more like the the loads of money bloke off of the Fast Show. Um, if I had a choice, um, Ben, what's what do you want to see out of the cosmetics for Odyssey? Well, I mean, if I'm going to do go for any kind of attire, it's gonna you know I'm going to have to be a brown coat. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 very nice. Since he's not here, I think we should design an outfit for Colin to wear. Pink and what, what, uh, cyan and hot pink and white shell suit. What about a cod piece? Would you give him a cod piece? Inverted. Oh, what? That's that's horrible. I've Rip never worn a fish before. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe Colin is wearing a fish. We don't know at the moment. But so you so you'd have an inverted cod piece, Colin. I, th- I think so. Yeah. I think we. Sh- I think he should have a, um, a a red suit with like a silver tummy in the shape of a square. Oh, you would. And, and like a, and like a little um, aerial. Coming mm. out the top of that. Yeah, that's that sounds pretty apt actually. That sounds about ideal. Um 
WK Jez, do you have any... Do you want me to keep enunciating those letters or do you just like being called Jez or should I call you something completely different or what? I mean, Jez will work just fine. There's no point uh, spending too many syllables on me um, at this stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, w is a tricky only, one, though. It's yes, we, 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 we've only got 1,500 syllables in the bank, so we just have to be very careful. Yeah, I mean, we've got to, you know, I've got to be conscientious of your budget and everything, and don't waste it on, on, on little old me, but um, the, I, I think it's only right that if we get some of those Fitbits, because we're going to be walking for the first time ever, and because none of us have ever actually walked before, we're all going to look like we're completely on the piss, and the Fitbits will be able to just show us how shamefully bad we are at walking. So you want yeah. Colin to have Fitbits? <laughs> and we'll, be like, um, we'll, we'll be like people who have been in comas for years when, they're, they're, when they're, their muscles are all atrophied. Yes, and, and I mean the station controllers—they they, they won't know what's going on. They—they'll they just see us all walking through the door, and they think, "Well, well, the mouse lost the last of our concerns right now." To be honest, <laughs> speaking of Fitbits, the game actually does have a distance tracker for the SRV. You can see how far you've travelled. There's no reason that they wouldn't implement that for on foot as well. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the idea of you know the whole coming through the station for the first time is basically we've all we've all been doing that the past year. You know, my first time out after the last lockdown, yeah, you know, I was like walking up the street. I was like, "What the hell is this?" So yeah. are you, I've not done this for months. Do you imagine the scene like when you'll get out of the chairs in Wally? Yes. <laughs> For me, it's like the for me, it's like the end of the Truman Show. Where he's sort of feeling his way along the fake wall. That's me going outside the house. I'm like, why is there no ceiling? I don't understand. Actually, hearing the thing about uh, station um, commander thing, Ben, remind us of your lave station job title. Uh, that would be the health and safety advisor or something like that. I believe. So, uh, can you please explain how come lave station is now on fire? I believe it. <laughs> Life Station's health and safety manager has done an appalling job. It doesn't look very healthy or safe, Ben, I'll be honest. Yeah, alien weapons might have been involved. Might. So basically, so when can we expect your resignation, Ben? Ben? Because clearly... It might mean know... I can get off the show right now. You can have it. If I, I mean, can I'll... bail, I'm one for this. <laughs> That's what you were going to do any minute now, anyway, Ben. You're, you're you were about to embark on your two hours of ritual silence on a Thursday evening. Yeah, but you, uh, but, but, it's Tuesday tonight. Sorry, it's Tuesday tonight, not Thursday. I, actually, yeah. I, actually, I think Ben, you need to come on my health and safety course. Um, I wonder what you were going to say I, then. The one, the one I'm running. No, no, I'm, I'm very good at health and safety. So therefore, I think Ben should attend my health and safety. Um, I mean, to be fair, I've got no idea how I wound up with the health and safety, head of health and safety or whatever it is. Neither do we. Yeah, I am, um, although I'm quivering at anticipation of attending Shan's health and safety um, course, shall we touch on the the news about, from the investor report, which was, uh, which was um, paywalled? um, The one we're not supposed to talk about. Are we not supposed to talk about it? it? A, no, part of it was paywalled. You know, part of it was available for everyone to look at. Part of it's paid. So, so you know. a an investor report which has since been removed from Reddit um, was uh, compiled. Was it compiled by Frontier or by Frontier's by, by, brokers? By the brokers of Frontier. Yeah, and it it uh, it 
it went into a little bit of detail about how Frontier view and categorize their players for their games. Um, and it reported that um, it, it gave more detail on the, on the player base of Elite Dangerous than anything we've seen so far. Um, it said that um, the... It's how Frontier categorized their players or how that investor group categorizes Elite's uh, community. I wouldn't have thought that a. I wouldn't have thought that a a, a broker. Oh, would... and Stuart's saying it hasn't been removed from Reddit, so I don't know why Colin said it has. Cool. And Stuart's the guy who wrote it. There you go. Um, and um, yeah, so they 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 split the uh, the players into into four categories. Um, uh, epic meaning um, meaning players who got the game free on Epic, rather than players being unusually broad and dramatic scope. Um, active, as in players who log in and play at least once a month. New, uh, meaning not players who didn't get the game free on the Epic giveaway, but have nevertheless bought it recently. And in- inactive slash lapsed, which is presumably people who haven't logged in for a month. Um, but somebody can correct me on that. That's a um, bit disappointing. Sorry, Sue. The, uh, go on. I thought when it said answer Epic, it actually meant, you know, Epic players. Yeah, I thought favorite. that as well. I was thinking, God, I'm glad they've got a category say, for me. Yeah. Rather than that, it could read the news on a website and get it through Epic Game. I mean, I want to like Epic Player. You know, you're an Epic Player. You're mm. worthy of it. Nah. Yeah, yeah, you I, get your own theme tune. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, want yeah, I was hoping tune. for that. Yeah, I mean, actually, I mean, Maybe that's what they did mean. Who knows? It would actually, be a small so and you have your own. Actually, you do have your own theme tune. So, I do, so yeah. you, you are an Epic Player. <laughs> that is true. Yes, I got my own theme tune. One of the rare few... Um, but anyway, the big news was that um, according to this classification, Elite Dangerous has no fewer than 500,000 active players. Um, now, I have done a little bit of reading around MMOs, and I gather this is actually quite rare for a, uh, uh, an MMO in, in its maturity, so to speak. Um, Shan, you are our resident person who plays other MMOs, um, at least one. Uh, can you give us any context around this 500,000 number? Well, it's a pretty solid number, although traditionally MMO um, games are notoriously reticent to talk about how many players they've got. Active. That's because the number is normally low, though, isn't it? Well, no, it, it depends on um, it depends on how they measure it, because some, some MMOs will talk about concurrent players, so how many players are logged on at any one time. Some of them talk about players who, as this has, log in every month. And then others just talk about subscribers. So, it, I mean, it's a solid number, 500 players active a month, a month, 500K, sorry. That's pretty solid, to be fair. But it depends on, do they just log in and log out again? I mean, do they see the store alert and then thinking, oh, I'll check and see if I've got that skin and then log out? Or are they an active participant? In the in the game, so I don't know how that's measured, but with any measure, uh, a, a game of this age that's pretty solid. I think what I was more impressed at is the things I've read in the past is um, work to figure out how many active players are done on, for example, Elder Scrolls Online, Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, uh, what's the other one? Not World of Warcraft. Can't really think of it right now. Black Desert Online, for example. Um, active players, players who, who log in and play uh, at least for a little bit once a month, um, is normally in the low hundreds of thousands. So for a game that is as toothsome and um, and arguably sort of specialised as Elite, which is essentially a, a flight simulator, 
that seems an extraordinarily large number. I was I was amazed to see that, considering that considering that something like Elder Scrolls Online, which is which is you know um, based on a wildly popular IP, it's very easy to get into. It's um, uh, it's um, it's got very sort of its gameplay is has very broad appeal. Um, I'm pretty sure that that has fewer than five hundred thousand active players monthly. Um, which means that we are possibly living through the glory days of Elite Dangerous right now. Um, I don't think it's ever been... I'm pretty sure it's never been that healthy in the past. That's a, it struck me as an extraordinarily large number. Well, we can't say that because this is the first number we've seen. I doubt it's been bigger. I, I do have to say from a streamer perspective, um, it's been quite unique because viewership, uh, average viewership for um, a lot of the regular streamers has been up and i know that we've got the alpha coming um over the horizon here soon but it's typically it's quite uncharacteristic for those numbers to go up on the moan uh, on their own until something new has engaged so i can quite believe that there's there's definitely an uptick uh in players as well it's remarkable that it's without counting Epic as well. So Stuart GT's just get given us a little bit more context. He said that Eve Online gets three uh, three hundred thousand monthly active players. Uh, World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft, which is obviously still the titan of the industry, gets four million. Um, so against that context, that's I still think that's pretty impressive. Really, five hundred thousand to be sixty um, percent more than. Eve is pretty amazing. So is that PC players, or is that including console players as well? I don't think it was broken down like that in this report. Does anybody know if that's, if that's right? Well, that would be a lovely, lovely bit of information to have, all things considered, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I have anecdotally, the, whenever Frontier have said anything on the matter, they've always, they've always said that, um, they've always indicated that console represent a really small percentage of players. Um, and and sort of knowledge of um, the community. Uh, I, don't, I mean, that might be a, the, the community in inverted commas might be a self-selected group of um, of particularly engaged PC nerds, um, which uh, and console players might just be less visible in the community, but actually quite numerous. Um, but I, my, I've already I've always got the impression that there are fewer, many, many, many fewer console players than PC players. Ben, oh, the other thing that. I mean, this is maybe a wee bit harsh to think, but it's not actually in Frontier's interests for us to play their game. You know, we if we play their game, then we're costing them money and servers and things like that. And unless we're actively buying arcs and skins, then we're we've paid our money, and we're now just costing Frontier money every single time we log in instead. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, if you want to be nice to Frontier, buy arcs, <laughs> buy the game, but don't play it. Yeah, <laughs> there we go, listeners. There's some there's some advice for you. Listen to late radio. Talk about elite dangerous. Buy things for it. Just don't play it. <laughs> I mean, I think the arcs have been doing well in the last year because I remember that uh, Mr. Braben was on Sky on a business um, segment, a Sky News, at the, kind of early into lockdown, and he was saying that um, the in-game purchases have actually kind of gone up quite considerably since people have been playing so i wonder if if that it kind of offsets um what you were saying there uh ben sorry i, I think, was reading i was reading something else if you're talking to me sorry <laughs> I, I think um i think player numbers uh I, I think active players are a proxy for um uh what's the word consumer like uh uh cosmetics sold i think probably the reason that frontier view active players is a positive 
metric is is because it's a proxy for how many cosmetics they're likely to sell because you you buy more cosmetics the more you play um but yeah i totally i I completely see that um a a friend of mine who is a game developer told me that some studios actually make most like the lion's share of their profits from selling not just um, cosmetics but also in-game currency if you if they have a game that sells in-game currency um you for real money you some studios completely absolutely make their entire um like a lot of their turnover and and um most of their profit from that um elite is not at that level but i can completely see that when uh, when everybody had lots more time on their hands suddenly cosmetic sales leapt up i think i remember seeing david braden on sky news being mm. interviewed and uh, i remember thinking oh piers morgan could do with interviewing him that would be really fun <laughs> was he wearing a nice jumper Piers Morgan, got no idea. Uh, it's it's David Braben's jumpers that me and I think I speak for the whole community when I say uh, we are all very interested in. Um, it's definitely David Braben's jumpers. I think I think David Braben um, gets his jumper from Giles Brandreth. Actually, he gets them from Marks and Spencers. He told us during the Kickstarter. I, I do oh, know. Con- oh, I was going to say I do know controversially that uh, in that segment he didn't have a ship in the background, so. Those. Maybe he was still making it. Maybe it, that's what he did in lockdown, was make that ship. It's a good point, isn't it? What do you mean, make a ship? Like, out of papier-mâché? No, you can buy ships, ship model kits, and then you can construct them either out of wood or plastic or... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He's got a model of the victory in his office, hasn't he? Maybe he's, maybe he's got a handsy dude. Maybe he likes making things out of... Maybe he likes craft kits and things. Who knows? Anyway, we're getting into very bizarre speculation now. Let's, let's move on. Um, so the other thing that came out of the report is that um, Frontier are estimating that a million copies of Odyssey will be sold in the first year. That seems, given that there are, what, there were four million copies of... Elite Dangerous sold before um, the Epic giveaway and then another 8 million given away to Epic players. That seems pretty conservative to me, doesn't it? It depends on how many of those accounts were multiples of the same player. Well, no, I mean the, the, the million, a million copies of Odyssey when the base game, when there are 12 million copies or whatever it is out in the wild at the moment of the base game, that seems quite a low estimate really to me, expecting them to only sell a million copies of Odyssey. Wow. It kind of depends, I think, because in that sale, are they including lifetime members? And how many lifetime members are there? Because they won't be sales, will they? Or I don't think there are. I don't think there are that many. Then, uh, then you have to think. Well, out of the average elite player, how many have one or more accounts? Because I know I certainly got three accounts. I know I'm not. You know, I know we're near having the most accounts. So it won't be 4 million copies of Odyssey because you'll have multiple accounts in that total. Yeah, but will you buy Odyssey for all of them? No, I won't. No, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's a good good point. It's a good question. I'm pretty sure they sold half as many copies of Horizons as they did the base game. Um, I don't know whether that was in the first year. I think I'm pretty sure it was in the first year. Don't quote me on that. Um, So, yeah, that that, I don't know. It it looks to me like they're slightly low-balling that, a million. so we, they could be in for a pleasant surprise, I reckon. Um, Ventura says, how about the Epic account holder who will need to buy the upgrade? Well, I mean, I mean this, yeah, exactly. That was, the, that was the, the point of the Epic giveaway, wasn't it? Yeah. Get, get a load of people into the ecosystem and prime them to buy Odyssey. And give, given that they, I'm pretty sure they gave away something like 8 million um, 
what's the word? By gave epic. away, you mean Epic bought 8 million copies of Elite Dangerous and gave yeah, that yeah, one yeah, to yeah, Frontier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But give, given that there are sort of 8 million new uh, players with the Epic giveaway accounts, uh, it seems very conservative you, you to expect that only 8 million 1 million... <laughs> Sorry? And by new players, you mean every single person who's got a copy of Elite Dangerous and an Epic Store or got a second copy of Elite Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. That would be a lot of them. But it's, there's, still not, there's still a lot of brand new people in that number. Um, I mean, I've I've come across quite a lot of them. I've come across, uh, you know, five or six people who have uh, I've met in the community who have said, oh, you know, I, I got the game on Epic um, and, um, and I've been playing it since then and loving it. Um, so expect th- thinking that only one million of those are going to convert um, seems quite quite um, conservative to me. Any thoughts? No. Cool. All right, we'll move on. Uh, what is the? No one's asking about this energy link picture. Do we want to talk about this? Where is this picture even from? Ben, I will shed blue light. Click on it and you'll find out. But it's from Twitter. It should be. It should be linked. I think. Oh it's, yeah, there we go. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. Let's. Um, if it's if it's been on Twitter, let's stick it in the let's stick it in the chat. So yeah, this is the this is the energy link which um, you see a player. Um, I can't remember if it's. I think it's this Bruce. is the thing that one of them went off and blew shit up with the other day, isn't it? Yeah, they they used it to overload the um, in the gameplay video that we saw. They used this yeah. to um, to overload the door control for the reactor room. Um, and um, so very nicely the, said, this is illegal, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the tweet said it was sent by Elite Dangerous, uh, it looks like three hours ago, so it was earlier today. Uh, it said the energy link tool transfers energy between the user's suit battery and a target socket. It also discharges powerful electric pulses over a short distance. So this, this to me is interesting interesting because it looks like it's being posited as a sort of multi-tool type thing for um, mucking about with sockets, as we saw in that gameplay video. But the discharging powerful electric pulses over a short distance, that kind of hints to the, the stun gameplay that they um, that Arthur's talked about being problematic with, the, um, with Peggy. It looks like he's made by Black & Decker, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. I was thinking it looked like one of those petrol pumps, but without the nozzle. Well, if I was being really geeky, I would say it looks like a CCS connector to go in an electric vehicle, but then that's really geeky. That is pretty geeky, yeah. Mm. Um, it does, uh, yeah, it looks pretty stubby, doesn't it? Um, I, I'm, I'm really interested as to whether that, whether you'll be able to use it as a sort of close combat type weapon um, and whether the, whether the stunning enemies makes it into the game. Because um, we, we know that they were having a lot of trouble with the ratings agencies about uh about that uh given that if you can if you can stun a player and then and then kill them while they're prone it would bump the age rating of the game up um so given that they're sort of leaning into that ability i wonder whether that indicates that they've had any resolution on that issue i'm not sure um go on it it, it may end up being um if the stun may work towards a, a shield drain or something if, if if they have problems with that I would imagine because I, I believe they've said that they're gonna be trying to translate the, the mechanics that we have in ships to similar to what we have with uh, on foot combat with regards to energy versus kinetic and, and what have you. Yeah, good point. That w- yeah that would be a neat resolution actually if it was used for um if it was used for uh for, for shield drain. That's a good point. I'm um, just mesmerized by it still, personally. What that 
that energy link. Yes, yeah. Uh, I'm also <laughs> distracted by the fact that I need to put some uh, unleaded in my car after this. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. Um, this, yeah, it's interesting that you um, that we, we we've all gone to different places. Like Ben and I thought it was a drill. Uh, Shan thought it was an accessory for a Tesla. You thought it was a petrol pump. Like nobody, nobody thought. Oh, that's definitely a device for delivering electric shocks over short distances. <laughs> that hasn't got a prong at the top, has it? Usually, when you think of something to deliver an electric shock, you don't sort of think of a flat, stubby nose. You think mm. you should have a a prong or something to shoot something out of, rather yeah. than just a, what looks like a, a you know, as, as you say, a, a, a nozzle of some sort. Yeah, agreed. Or maybe yeah. a little prong pops out. Maybe it's it will deliver the shock, and then so it's like a the Dyson multi tool we talked about, like the mouth of the alien. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, um, yeah. Who knows? Who knows, Shan? Uh, we shall we shall find out on the 29th, no doubt. Anyway, let's let's move on to in-game events. What has been happening this week? Actually, quite a lot's been happening this week, hasn't it? We've um, we've had. Uh, we've had a Galnet story on every every day. Oh no! Apart from, uh, it looks like there was one on the tenth, two on the eleventh, one on the twelfth, and one on the fifteenth. I don't know if there's one today. I'll have a look. Um, so we had um, first of all on the tenth, we had the recap of the Adamaster mystery, which is it's quite a nice idea actually. I think to uh, to recap some of the stories that have happened in Elite. Um, and this is something that we do on Sagittarius Eye of it, is we, um, we'll occasionally recap an issue um, with a sort of potted history to, to introduce new players to something that may have happened um, a long time ago, like, for example, discovering the, the Guardians or, um, or working out uh, or, or how a, a given mystery was solved. Um, and um, and I, think it, I think doing that on Galnet in, in, a, in a nice snappy format is is a really good way to bring the lot the many new players up to speed on some of the some of the rich lore of the game um then we had the on the 11th we had uh the the big news of the week which is the the uh what came to be known as the nine martyrs attacks the terrorist bon- bombings on nine starports which uh has led all of us to be ferrying people out of lave station um and, and me to run out of stock of Enzyme. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that was completely unrelated, though, Shan. Like, you know, that's just that's just the the vagaries of the markets, surely. I, I I suspect so. I mean, I mean, they paid over market price for them, so they must have really yeah. needed them for something. Well, they they wanted Amazon Prime delivery on them for next day. So, do you do next day delivery? I can do for a price. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, you know, whatever whatever those people really needed their uh, their enzyme missiles for, um, sounds like you got to them in good time. Um, and then uh, and then a very short time later, obviously in a completely unrelated series of events, a load of enzyme miss- missiles were used to uh, to bomb nine of the most pivotal um, human occupied systems in the bubble. Um, so, so, Sue, sorry, quick question on that though. I mean, mm-hmm. they went for the, the you know the, the primary systems in the bubble. Yeah, uh, they went for the alliance. They went for federation. They went for um, empire. So what? What got they've got to do with it? Because we're independent. We you know we're neutral, and you know we just mind our own business. Got to, do, that's got to do with it. I should think that's fairly fairly obvious. Really, you know, I'm not wanting to say censorship of the press or anything, but I think I think they're trying to shut us up. Frankly. Lave but a Cariola station. 
Yeah, but they could have just paid me more money for the stuff, or you know, they could have bribed us or something, you know, and we would have willingly bribed. That's true. Yeah, so you know, they missed a trick, but I guess they wanted something to give people to do. I think the, I think Lave is supposed to be one of the most important. It's it's a it's a historically important system because it's where the the Pilots Federation training center was years and years ago. And it was the administrative heart of uh, Galcop, I believe. And it is now one of the most storied and famous independent systems, isn't it? So I, I can see why they, um, not just in terms of like, oh, elite dangerous fans like it, but also in like a, uh, I can understand why um, an in-fiction terrorist association would target. See, I would have gone for like I would have gone for Shinrath Desra. Yeah, I, I do find it weird that they didn't do that. That is, that's a good point. Yeah. Or Slow Orbital, just to get the hammers crying. <laughs> I believe um, Shinrata Desra will very much be something that we see um, in Flames before Odyssey. It would be kind of a um, very appealing way to get players in to do something they feel passionate about before the, the launch. So I'm still betting on that. Yeah. Ventura has just made the point that not everybody has access to Shinrata Desra, which is a really, really good point. But then not everyone has access to Sol or Akinar. Mm. Or Akinar yeah. places like that too. Good point. Good point. I, yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, may, may, yeah, maybe they're keeping the powder dry. Maybe there's a bit more, maybe there's a, a ratcheting of tension going to happen. And lots of people have been saying for years that they would really like to see the, um, I mean, they've been saying it about the Thargoid uh, storyline. People have been saying for years that they really want to see the, the bubble absolutely in flames and to, to um, for the devs to really turn up the dial on the tension in the, in the so, story. So do you think that, and this is me being a little bit cynical, because uh, I really, really am, um, is do you think they had this in mind and they wanted the Thargoids to do it, but because Ida was so effective, they had to think of a different way of doing it other than Thargoids? No, I don't think that. I, 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 if I was... If I was them, I would. If I was Frontiers writers, I'd be like, right, well, we are all about maximum return for um, for effort, and we already have these burning station assets covered in green goo. Let's uh, players have been doing the station have been have have been firefighting with the station attacks for years now. We need a new, fresh storyline. Other, otherwise, we're going to get um, accusations that we're just recycling the same old thing. Let's uh, let's invent terrorist attacks using enzyme bombs so that we can reuse those burning station assets with a brand new narrative. Um, that, that's why I think they didn't, they deliberately didn't choose Thargoids for it. And well, I think it's right if, if, well. if, if Ida hadn't been so effective at fixing stations, would, that, would they have gone and done this and called it Thargoids? But because Ida was effective with, with fixing stations... They kind of had to think, well, we've got these assets. We want to do the shock value of main systems on fire. We can't blame the Thargoids because, hey, you know, Ida's been looking after that. We'll yeah, but they still need to fix it. these stations afterwards. It doesn't matter if, I, if the Thargoids bust the stations or the Neomilonists bust the stations. The station still needs to get, get busted, get fixed. And that's Operation Ida's Raisin Detra. Yeah. What if... We, we go completely off tilt here and merge the two and say that NMLAs is actually Thargoids that have somehow created a ruse to look human. And no, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm still on Battlestar Galactica theory. 
Right, you know, I mean, no, I'll, I'll show myself out. <laughs> maybe Why that's not? what. Maybe that's what's happened to Colin. Maybe he was like the, you know, one of the top five Thargoid agents, and that's where he's gone. He's the you, final five. The final five Thargoid agents is one of them, Colin. He would be the last person you'd expect to be a Thargoid agent, which is probably what you want out of an agent, isn't it? Well, that's right. You know, so all the shit, all the Thargoid ships he destroyed to get his elite ranking, that was just a cover. A ruse. Yes, exactly, to... Yeah. To um, you know, maybe that's why his uh, maybe that's why uh, Mrs. Defire is flogging him at this very moment for what? botched espionage. Well, you mean you mean hitting his carapace, <laughs> twanging his antennae? Maybe, yeah. Who knows? That's, that's, I've never heard that is a euphemism for. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't a euphemism at all. No, definitely not. So Mrs. Colin is twanging his antennae. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, the Nine Martyrs attacks, as they have become known, have um, have dominated the week's news, uh, unsurprisingly. Um, how do we feel about this storyline in general? Do we do we like it? Do we think it's going in an interesting di- direction? Do we think that interesting threads are being pulled upon? Jez, why don't you tell us what you think? Yes, I, I, I believe very much in this storyline that's heading to great places. However... I do believe it needs a landmark moment, an aha moment, uh, a you know, a, a kind of a, a checkpoint, if you will, that ties up some of the mysteries and then evolves other ones. Because I think right now, as a player, sometimes it can feel like it's a bit never-ending. I think some form of closure in, in, on something would be nice at this point. Interesting. Yeah. God, if you'd imagine if you if we could if we could rewind to a year ago or or nine months ago. Imagine, imagine the complaint that Galnet was never ending. <laughs> yeah. How thrilled we would be! God, we would we would have given our limbs for Galnet to be never ending. Wow! You'll have, you'll have the frontier streams, and people will be like, "Are we done with Galnet yet? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can, yeah. Can we can we stop that now?" <laughs> I remember that um, a couple of years ago, uh, Obsidian Ant did a video called um, in which she questioned whether. The, whether the elite interest community was suffering from CG fatigue, we had we had too many CGs, and we we're all suffering from CG fatigue. And, and you could you could you could impute this from the um, uh, from the the player numbers involved with CGs. And I, I I thought about that video when when Frontier announced that they were pulling the plug on on all CGs and everything from the game. I, I sort of thought about that video, and I was like, God, it is really is famine or feast, isn't it? It's kind of a combination of people never being satisfied with what they've got, and also. Um, Things usually coming in a different quantity to what you actually desire, um, but I do I do know what you mean about the closure. I do get that. I, it doesn't it doesn't particularly reflect how news works in real life. I don't think, um, but I know exactly what you mean with the feeling that things just sort of roll on and change, and they don't, and it's not following so far. At least we may be viewing it in too smaller uh, a too smaller scale to rec- to, to realise, but. It, so far, at least, it doesn't look like it's a story being told in the traditional three-act structure or whatever. We're not seeing... It doesn't look like we are, um, we're heading to a thrilling denouement or whatever. Mm. I mean, personally, I think they kind of should have done this uh, when the Thargoids were at their peak. And they could still blame the NMLA, which would then introduce a, was it Thargoids, was it whatever? And I don't know, I think it's... It's kind of lost its impact to me personally. 
Um, Interesting. Uh, that's true. I mean, whether I'm just heartless and don't really care about burning stations and that sort of stuff because the rewards aren't that great. I don't know, but I don't know. I I, I kind of done it because it's been a while since I, I had a go at rescuing passengers, but it left me a bit cold, if I'm being honest about it. Interesting. I My instinct is to put that down to veteran on we rather than a problem with the narrative itself I, I i think that i really like the this narrative i think it i think it gives it's it's quite a grown-up story it adds a lot of depth to the to the galaxy like it is you know there are missteps like occasionally it, it sort of feels a little bit like it a little bit like they're sort of inventing people um and announcing that so and so has died and, and and because we've never heard the name before it lacks punch for us but broadly i think it's a pretty good storyline um it, it really sets up uh, you know i i what one nice thing about it is i, I can't I, I don't know where it's going to go like as somebody who who sort of thinks about stories and and narrative quite a lot they um uh i i can't easily say oh this is a classic x story um i don't know i don't know where they're going with it which is which is a good position to be in i sort of felt like in in uh was it 3303 yeah so 3303 3304 i sort of felt like the um particularly with the cold war between the empire and the federation it did very much feel like it was a um it was going in one direction and we were being it was very you know we were very clearly being led to a oh you know rattling sabers is it going to be war isn't it there's going to be a big flashpoint between the empire and the federation um and this doesn't feel like it's got a trajectory like that it doesn't feel like we're inexorably drifting towards anything which is which means that anything could happen really um uh- anyway Go on, sorry, Jess. I think for, as far as the the game goes, I do think we'll find that these CG stories around the time Odyssey launches will make way for the Alliance to become a power that we have to do stuff for, for unlocking certain ships. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they are adding more ships for Odyssey. They will be, uh, at least some of them, locked behind Alliance reputation um, gathering. Because we've yeah. got a very big power shift right now, and the alliance out of all three of them look to be gaining a little bit, and the other two seem to be suffering a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, the spoon says the characters they've killed have all been mentioned in Galnet previously. So yeah, fair enough. Uh, I'm duly cor- duly corrected. Um, the um, uh, do you want to take a stab at where you? where you think it's going to go beyond that you think that we'll you think this is leading into a to doing for for the alliance to be a, a sort of primary mission giver is that is that sort of where you think it's going i do because i mean there's clearly i mean well it exists amongst all three but it's very prominent there's clearly in-house problems with the federation and the empire right now with you know all of the events that have been transpiring and and hudson is or at least until the events of last week, was not looking very likely for re-election. And I think if uh, when powers start turning in on themselves, you're leaving the door open for the, the smaller fry to become more appealing and, and gain more power kind of behind the scenes. And I think a lot of... I think it, the reason why that I find that appealing is a lot of players have, have kind of said, well, what... What incentive do we have to work for the alliance other than the role play element? Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. That um, I think the the other thing is that just from a just from a, a sort of um, where the holes are point of view, um, 
it, you know, the, it is very obvious that the alliance is uh, it is conspicuous being the only superpower that doesn't have its own navy rank progression. Mm. So yeah, that that would make a great deal of sense actually. Um, anyway, uh, if none of if if that is all you guys have to say on that, we'll um, we'll move on to the uh, the bit of the show that everybody's been waiting patiently for for over an hour now. Um, it is the uh, the store alert. Norman, can you play our store alert jingle? Store alert. In the bi-weekly newsletter, here come pain jobs for your arts. In the bi-weekly newsletter, here come pain jobs for your arts. A store alert, 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 a Oh, yes. That, every time. Oh, it needs great. a second verse now. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, get on it, tracks. <laughs> Colin, come on. When you get out of your discipline. <laughs> when you spit out so, the ball gag. Why, why is it up to Colin anyway? He didn't make it. He's not here. So? Well, if you're not here, you get given the action. <laughs> that, that's the first rule of meetings, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, store alert. Let's get back to the, the, the business in hand. What has been in the store alert? I've got absolutely no bloody idea. Somebody tell me what has been in the store alert. It's so gripping. None of us know. Does anybody know? It, do, it does work when I find my button to push. It's a lovely image of a beluga. No, oh, not, my... Of an orca, sorry. It's oh, it's the orca. Oh, the orca image. Oh, there we go. Put it in the chat. Look at that. Beautiful. There we go, listeners. What a time to be alive. It is a stripy orca in the yeah. newsletter, in the story alert, sorry, this very week. There you go. Oh. I, I posted the link into the chat. It is a stripy orca. Beautiful. So you two can look glorious while stressing people from Lake Station. Yeah, you can plunge your stripy orca straight into that mail slot. Yeah. I'll tell you oh. Not that it's a size issue or anything, but I far prefer using my beluga. I just, I just fit more into it. Is it a compensation thing, Ben? It might be, might be. But yeah, I just, I just think in certain issues, more is better. Beluga man syndrome, they call it, I believe. Possibly. <laughs> and unwilling, unwillingful is suggesting that stripes on a car make it faster, and therefore stripes on a on an orca probably also make it faster. Either, I mean, that's just science. They yeah. do. Uh, it's science right there, there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Great. Okay, well, if everybody can uh, mop their brows um, and uh, and sit down, take your seats, get back to the serious business of um, of normal laid radio procedure, yeah, then we'll we'll move on from the store alert. Um, difficult and emotional, though it is. Um, main discussion. What are we talking about? We are continuing the questions that we were talking about last week, aren't we? Um, we need adverts, firstly. Oh, yeah, we do. Sorry, yeah. Okay. Let's play some adverts. The adverts. The Federal Navy. We want you for Adventures Unlimited. Just last week, I was mixing Sidewinder Slammers at a seedy space bar. I wasn't even pilot registered. And now I have a ship and a basic starting mission for the Federal Navy. Owing to recent actions in the Lave region, the Federal Navy now seeks to recruit another 1,000 entry-level pilots. 
We need you to add your strength to our military machine. I'm going to see the galaxy. We have missions for all pilots, regardless of combat experience or flight hours. Come and talk to us, and we'll get you on the military ladder. Join the Federal Navy. Make a real pilot of yourself, or die trying. Wait, what's that? Is that is that a ship coming? Are they looking for me? What do they? Lave Radio, transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. This is a public service announcement from the Fuel Rats. Please stop what you're doing and pay attention. If we can rescue you, we will. But you can help us help you by following these easy steps. 1. Fly 50 light seconds or so from the system's main star and drop out of supercruise. 2. Note down the current system and the nearest stellar body. 3. If you're on emergency life support, log out immediately. 4. Go to FuelRats.org and click Get Help. 5. Stay calm, hold your breath, and let our seasoned professionals do what they do best. The Fuel Rats. We have fuel, you don't. Any questions? Eddie Lee Wise here. Our family-run business looks after all your sartorial needs. Whether you need something to turn your pink python purple or you want to wrap your buns up in a nice tight flight suit, Millsburn Ken can sort you right out. He's an expert at inside leg, and my wife Barb's is a whiz with a sewing machine. Bespoke tarting for you and your ship. Visit Eddie and Sons, plus me daughters, at Lave Station. Right, sir. Cough, please. <coughs> and now it's time for the main discussion. Um... So we're continuing going through the questions that were released in the Q&A following the gameplay release video. Um, and uh, we, in the last show, we talked about some of them and we'll just wrap them up. Uh, we'll wrap them up now. I think probably the easiest thing to do is for, uh, for me to read them out and then get you guys to, to give your thoughts on them. Because um, I imagine that, to do with the um i imagine that some of these are going to spark quite a lot of quite a lot of debate so I'll, I'll read what i'll do is i'll read the questions and the answers out and then and then ask you guys what you think and you can uh you can chip in um so the first one was can you talk about the different suits in odyssey um and gareth said yes as you can see in the video players can take up different roles depending on the suit they use which is information we already had the tactical suit, for example, can carry two different weapons, which is unique to that suit. So you need to consider the best suit for the mission you're about to engage in. Um, th this is information we we already had. We did know that there would be, I think, four suits on there. And we knew that the tactical suit had five, for example. Um, so uh, did... Don't you have... You've got the, the suit of hearts, ja uh, clubs, diamonds, and... Oh, what's the other thing again? So, <laughs> we should, we, we should, yeah. I should name them that. I think that idea is a busted flush. <laughs> oh, 
but no, that's that's not there's not particularly new uh, information there. Um, no. It's it's interesting though. Um, have they talked about the role of suits in solo mode? Because if you look at the the video, they actually specifically mention you know, you've got the fight fighting suit. You stay out there and hold them off, and I've got the engineering suit. Yeah. So, is there going to be like a um, a, a surface like telephone box you can jump into and change your suit and then or jump out like Superman? Yeah, that, that, like these are the questions off. that I would love to have answered. I would love to know whether you can change your. I'd love to know whether you can take your helmet off. I'd love to know whether you change your suit well, you uh, instantly. You unless you're at least if you're in your. Yeah, but if you had a phone box, if you had a telephone box, it would be a pressurized phone box, wouldn't it? So you could take your helmet off. Um, is this something that you? Is this something that MMOs generally have? Deployable phone boxes for changing clothes. Depends on the game, um, per se. What, <laughs> you just sort of do it in the open, I think. Well, it depends on the game, because some in some games, like the infamous one I always talk about, <laughs> you can actually change your build just simply by changing your weapons. Mm. So you, could, you can weapon swap, and by swapping weapons, you will change your abilities. And yeah, you may be yeah. more offensive to defensive. So it, it, you, yeah, it definitely do would. It you, do you it, frequently make yourself more offensive, Shan? Um, that sounds quite hard. I, I, I'm, I'm very rarely offensive. Oh, okay. Um, did, did you say very rarely offensive? Because I, I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. That's, that's what I, I heard. I would definitely agree with that, Shannon. I think that's no, no, a, a very being, accurate but being, assessment. But being serious for a moment, um, okay. I, I wonder if you will be able to, to change your loadout. And, and yeah. I'd, make, I'd make the joke with a, with a telephone box, but it would be like if you go out of combat and you were in a pressurized area can you yeah. change your suit to yeah. be a different role yeah yeah that's a good point I, I would say it probably would make sense um what would make sense ben the ability to change out our equipment if we're in the middle of something you know not while you're in danger but as shan says you know could i go into you know, some closet somewhere in the and then come out of the closet, get changed, and then come out of the closet again. Um, I, I, I don't like my, my, I, I can't think of an implementation. I can't, I can't think of any problem with the idea that you can only change your flight suit in your ship, given that spaceships are going to be sort of, given that being in and out of your it spaceship might be is too gonna... far away. Although, would yeah. it not detract from the tactical element? Of possible, the, possible. Of, of the game because the other school of thought and again I talk about Guild Wars 1 uh, you could change your weapons in Guild Wars 1 but it didn't change your loadout so to speak it just changed uh, what you fought with so once you had your loadout once you had your build if you like in Guild Wars 1 and went out of the hub into the instance you then couldn't change anything about your build and that was part of the skill of adapting your build to the area you were going into, and that was fixed. So that made a, a, a very interesting tactical environment. But I don't know. I know Warcraft, I think you could change your armor as and when you liked, um, as long as you weren't in combat, I believe. Mass yeah, Effect, but- on the other hand, you know, you, you basically you have to pick your team, and you're locked to that team until you finish your mission. 
Swotor, I think, lets you pick and choose your armor. Uh, again, as long as you're not in combat. It's very like WoW, really. Um, yeah. Fallout, well, you can change it anytime you like, really. Yeah, um, okay. Well, we'll we'll have to... Um, I think there does need to be an element of commitment to... There's no point having the different suit variants if you can swap them in and out like that with no with no planning like there has to be an element of commitment yeah. to for them to have meaning um but we I, I like that idea but a lot of games don't do that okay well that'd be a shame anyway let's um we'll have to wait and see on that one let's move on because um we are running short on time um the next question there are different types of weapons in odyssey could you tell us why a player might use them um, the answer is, way back when we started prototyping combat, it became quite clear to us early on that the ship combat has some really interesting concepts behind it, so we basically stole them. The premise is that the kinetic weapons are good against armor, lasers are good against shields, and plasma are decent against both, but not quite as good as the other two. When it comes to choosing a loadout, you'll want to choose your weapons to be the most efficient, so you may want lasers to take out shields and kinetic to finish them off. If you're working as a team, you can specialize. One player can be anti-shield, and the other can finish them off via kinetic. Um, what I found interesting, uh, thing, something I found is interesting about this is that the, the way that the answer's phrased, it sort of implies a little bit like the Odyssey team were separate to the base game team. It sort of reads a little bit like, oh, we, you know, we started playing Elite Dangerous and we and, and we, we saw how the ships worked and we thought, hey, we could we could make Odyssey weapons look a bit similar rather than Right, we're, the, we're these devs. We've been working on this game for seven years. We know exactly how all the ships are going to work, so so, uh, so how the ship combats work, so we'll emulate that. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? It sort of sounds like there's a... It sounds like the, the, the team sort of view, looked at Elite Dangerous with fresh eyes, so to speak. And I wonder whether that is an indication that there are quite a lot of new devs on it, maybe who are specialists in first-person games that have come from other studios. I don't know. Oh, I know that... Isn't Pierce a FPS developer? I have no idea. He's a well, he's a well established one, I believe. Yes. Yeah. I think that sounds like uh, another element of rock, paper, scissors gameplay. Uh, yeah. In terms of things having special, the weapons being tools with specialist uses. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it works well for the ships. Like, no, nobody's ever said, "Oh, do you know what? The basic combat mechanics of Elite Dangerous are rubbish." So, you know, if it works for ships, it could it, it could presumably work quite well for first person combat. I mean, I, I believe kind of uh, the shooting element of, of the Destiny game has a sort of similar um, concept of certain weapons are, uh, or certain ammo types in this case are, are better against shield uh, drain versus physical damage. So it's, it's yeah. a tried and true method. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, right, next one. Uh, question. For the getaway, we landed on the side of the settlement for a quick escape. There's been a small change in this, hasn't there? And the answer is yes, you can now automatically land on planet surfaces. It's hard to encapsulate all the changes in a few minutes of video. When players get hold of the alpha, that's when they'll really understand what they've done. Um, I So when I read this, I thought, okay, well, what's happened is they've added a, like a, a thing that lets, the, that lets you say land, and then the ship will just... Within within a hundred yards squared, for example, it will it will search for somewhere where it can land itself and just land there. A kind of like an auto land feature. Is that what you guys got from that? Yes, I thought it was a quality of life improvement. If you ever tried to land at a Guardian site or on a particularly bumpy surface, surface you kind of like play the left a bit, right a bit, forward a bit until the blue dot appears, and then the blue dot will disappear. 
the closer to the surface you get, and you have to keep throwing it again. Mm. So I, I kind of interpreted that as it will it will hover around and find a landing spot for you. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I what I interpreted uh, interpreted that as as well. Um, cool. Okay, next one. Can you talk about suit management? There are different things that can pull on the suit's power. There's the life support machine, things like the shield, which is power hungry when turned on, and some of the tools you can use your and some of the tools can use your suit power. Survival actually starts to become something you need to become considerate of. Presumably that means consider in certain situations. If you're at a settlement, there are areas when you can recharge your suit, but if you're out exploring, there's certainly a risk factor involved. Environmental factors can also have an effect on how hard your suit has to work to keep you alive. If you're in really extreme temperatures, you'll be taking physical damage. You can disembark somewhere on the planet with safe temperatures, but you can quite quickly end up somewhere where the temperature is much hotter and end up in danger. Um, I was really excited by this. I thought this was Mm. really, really cool. Um, I love the... I love what it means for. Um, I love. I love the added element of risk and tension it adds for solo players. I love the fact that it gives such a lot of meaning to your um, to your outfitting choices, like what you choose to take with you. Um, I love how much it speaks to plausibility and um, and it means that the stats the, the stats that until now have just been dry data about planets might might start to become much more urgent and important and and have much more impact on the player experience um it's probably my favorite out of all the all of the questions actually i agree i'm very excited by by that because as an explorer we don't tend to get an idea of the other than the the presentation in numbers we don't really get a sense of what the environment is like on the planet surface so uh, that really appeals to me yeah now actually it's sort of the only things we've seen from uh, Odyssey footage so far have been apart from the the planetary tech itself in the in the landscapes. Anything we've really seen is combat. So actually, that answer there's a lot about what you can expect from um from the exploration experience. Uh, you know, like the the planets you explore, you'll have to pay attention to their atmospheric um, characteristics and plan accordingly, um, which is really exciting. It's that's got me. That answer has probably got me more excited about exploration in order to see than anything else we've seen so far i think i can add something else into the mix that i think that we accidentally discovered last night when we was talking to bruce uh, on the podcast so it's already in the public domain now mm. in regards to planetary exploration he also did let us know that there's going to be transient points of interest on planets kind of like signal sources right now so it's going to add that element to planetary exploration too which was was quite a nice surprise to hear yeah yeah that's cool um cool all right well the other thing that we uh we'll move on if nobody else has anything to add but um the other thing we wanted to talk about as part of our main discussion and our community question this week is um exploits in games um and the uh there is a reason that this um that this has come up and i think i think the reason we've um, am I right in thinking that it's because of Hawks Gaming's video about how to AFK your way to billions in Elite Dangerous? Is this why we? You, you are indeed. Yeah, that's 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 correct. I'm thinking actually, should we very very quickly touch on it? Let Jez say his opinion, cause... <laughs> and then move on and actually cover it properly and maybe make it. A... You can. Oh, um, sorry, I'm just I'm just thinking. Do we have time to do this? Do it justice. Do it justice, 
or shall we quickly bring it up just now, let Jez say his piece, yeah, and then, and then cover it properly next week? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do it as the question and... tonight and, and get people to get listeners to yeah. chip in with their thoughts, and then we'll, we'll use those as, as launchpad for talking about it and yeah, giving it all of next we week's. Don't. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right. So, yeah, the what kicked this off is Hawks Gaming has released a video, which um, will be in our show notes, um, called How to AFK Your Way to Billions in 2021. And it's about Elite Dangerous, and it's about um, how to uh, how to make loads of money without, without playing the game. Um, get, be as rich as possible, playing the game as little as possible. Uh, and they, um, uh, there is a, there is a, a summary of, of, his, of his points. Uh, but I won't go through that now. I'll leave it in the show notes. Um, but it got us talking earlier about what we think exploits are in games and what they, um, uh, what constitutes an exploit, what should be done about them. Um, you know, how, how much players could be expected to self-police in terms of exploits, uh, all that kind of thing. And and uh, and Jez was there too, and we all we all had some really interesting um, interesting thoughts about it. So, um, Jez, if you want to kick us off. What is your view of the history of dealing with exploits in Elite and the way they've been dealt with, and whether you'd have liked to see uh, whether whether you'd have liked to see Frontier take and uh, what exploits, what the impact, what impact that has on a multiplayer game like Elite Dangerous? Yeah, so ex- exploits is always a very difficult word because. Everybody, I, I believe, every, a lot of individuals have different ideas about exactly what constitutes as as an exploit. Though, I think for most of the things that we see in Elite Dangerous, any action that the developers would have to take is simple gameplay changes, not sort of punitive actions on anybody um, engaged in such activities. Though, in relation to that particular video, I I don't personally see it as um, exploits because it's all very readily accessible ways of playing the game without having to do any kind of magic tricks. Um, though it's a very powerful and potent way <laughs> to play the game without any effort. So it, it's <laughs> definitely a, oh. <laughs> yeah. Whilst, whilst it may not be an exploit, it certainly is something that probably isn't a great thing to have in the game. Uh, for a long time, yeah, Shan. Yeah, I tend to go along with what was what was just said. I mean, yes, it's a bit cheesy, but if you look at the requirements that you need to do the AFK, it's not as though you can do it in a sidewinder straight off the bat. You need your Type Ten, you need the engineering materials, you need to rank up the engineering. So you you sort of need a certain level of competence and achievement in the game to even get started and it's one of those things i think where someone has found the build and the technique to i wouldn't say cheese but basically to use the game's mechanics to their advantage and that's not an exploit that's just ingenuity of a player it would be an exploit if they used a hack engine or something like that to change the memory values in the game to make your lasers super powerful or glitch your shields, or that would be an exploit. This is just someone thinking through, well, these ships in this, uh, in this res zone, they're not that powerful. And if I put myself full of cargo, that attack. How do I give myself enough 
shield and uh, regeneration to be able to withstand that. I know I'll do this. So that's actually a logical thinking in the game. And I like um, Mike was just said, it's up to Frontier to combat that through either changing the NPC loadout or their behavior or something or other. It's a bit cheeky, but it's not an exploit in my view. So I, what you just described as exploits, I would describe those as cheating. If you if you do things like change the change the values to um, uh, to make your lasers more powerful, to paraphrase our um, to quote our if one you... of our lovely lovely adverts, then um, that's that's just flat out cheating. That's not an exploit. I I, I would classify an exploit classify an exploit as something that um, is something that is permissible within the the rules of the game, um, but somehow is contrary to the implied spirit of those rules. Yeah, like, okay, for example, board let, flipping. Let, let's just talk about a, a scenario that, if you've played other games, I'm sure you people have done or seen, is that in a raid or in a, an encounter with mobs or a boss, there are tactics to, let's say, for example, you pull the trash mobs away from the boss so you can kill them separately and then you then attack the boss. Is that an exploit or is that just being clever? Yeah. Because, because this is the same. This is, you look at the encounter, you say, okay, the weaknesses of this encounter is this, this, and this. So therefore, I will adapt my ship, I will adapt my skill set, I will use different tactics so it targets that with those weaknesses so that it's easier for me to achieve. It's a really fine line, but I don't know. It's, it's cheesing, you know, it's cheesing the mechanics, and it's a bit lame to be honest. But is it an exploit? I don't think so. I think part part of my my attitude to this is about um, is about how much of a competitive game Elite Dangerous is, and therefore how much of a problem people spoiling their own experiences. Like for me, you, I, I have noticed with Elite Dangerous, and actually with all games that. You start off thinking, oh, God, it, uh, what I need to do is get X. I, I want to get that spaceship. God, it's going to be so good when I've got that spaceship, all the things I'll be able to do. And you you play and you you do the missions and you make the money and you finally buy that spaceship and it's a great moment. Um, and then you, when you look back, you realize that the real fun was when you were saving up the money for that spaceship. The, the anticipation of getting it was really great and the things that the, the game was getting you doing were really fun. Um, so actually, I feel like we... As a, as a bit of a psychological phenomenon, we, we misidentify where th- where where um, gratification is going to come from in games. We we think of it. We think of something. We think we'll be happy when we get X, like a destination or a goal. Whereas actually, it is the it is the journey or the getting there or the 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 trying to earn that thing that gives us the real pleasure. And I feel like something like this this AFKing your way to billions it's probably running the risk of making that mistake in that you think, oh, when I've got my billions, I'll be able to get a fleet carrier. It's going to be great. And I feel like when, you've, when you get your fleet carrier, I feel like if it, if it was me, I would probably be a little bit like, um, I'd be a bit like, ah, shit, actually, do you know what? Earning those billions by playing the game would have been the real fun. And actually now I've got my fleet carrier, it doesn't feel that fun at all. Um, that's, I don't know, like I'd, that would be my kind of... But, but that, that's different to it being problematic for a multiplayer game in terms of player balance. Um, it's, a different, it's a different issue. Um, the other thing I'm, I'm aware of is that the initial question was just what do you think about exploits generally, whereas we've homed in on this specific one. So just for listeners who, um, who didn't follow that, we, um, 
this specific exploit is about building a ship which can uh, with turreted beam lasers and a weapons focused power distributor which can just sit uh, just sit in um, conflict zones and just take out enemies without you even needing to be at the PC or whatever. Um, but back in the distant past, do you remember the war in Lou? Yeah. And how you could position your ship in the middle of the capital ship in Lou with turrets. And you could basically sit there and you would get credit for the kills that the capital ship shot. So therefore <laughs> you could almost AFK your way to elite rank. Yeah. Sorry, I've um, uh, I've realised that I missed out Jez there. Shan, are you are you finished or are you? Well, that's all. I'm I'm happy to listen to Jez's thing because he did bring up the topic. So I, I do apologise because I've I, like I said I've I've definitely focused in on this issue when we probably wanted to have a, more of a broader uh, analysis on it. Though though I do think it's important to bring up that um, really at the moment the way I feel about credits and late dangerous beyond the the argument of of getting things too soon and, and cheating yourself out of an experience. I was talking to somebody about it that said, this system is not exactly something new, but it has been used before for people to get significant rank points for the seasonal rankings. That's when I feel the waters become very muddy because that is when you are definitely using a mechanic to detriment other players. Um, and yeah. kind of discounting their hard work playing as intended, but <laughs> still, it's, it's, I, I still have a t- hard time using the, the uh, E word around it. That's a really, that's a really, really good point. Yeah, because th- those rankings are very much tests of, tests of how much you play the game and, and how well you play the game. And- but then the onus is on Frontier to change it. I mean, the, the example I used in Discord earlier on when we sort of discussing this offline was again in Guild Wars 1 there was a, a build called the 55 Monk and basically what the what it was is you lowered your character's hit points down from 500 and something to 55 and you then used an enchantment skill which said you will incur no more than 10% of your maximum health damage Per hit, so that's five points of damage. You then ran another enchantment, which then said every time you're hit, you then recover ten points of damage or something. So basically, as long as you ran those enchantments, you couldn't be killed. And the uh, the, the devs were quite open, and they said, you know, that is complete genius because we never dreamed anyone would think about lowering the ca- their character's maximum health to make it invincible. Mm. and people say oh that was an exploit whatever but that was just people being smart and then the to their credit the uh, arena developers didn't just say well we'll delete those enchantments from the game we you know we'll stop this happening they then put mobs and techniques into the level that people use it on to make it more challenging and skillful to operate the build so there's like an arms race of them adding things to strip the enchantments or whatever it was. They almost kind of like made a contest between themselves and the people who did the build to try and, you know, make it so it's still doable, but you needed an increasing level of skill to do it. And that's what the approach I feel Frontier should do for this, is they shouldn't just, you know, 
nerf it or punish people. They should say, well, actually, how can we make it more challenging for the player to carry this out? Yeah. Is that, um, is that, is that the response you'd have liked to have seen or would you have preferred them to, uh, to nerf it into, a, into oblivion? At the time, at the time, people were very much against it. Oh, they should nerf it. They should nerf it. Then there was a group of people that actually said, "No, the whole, you know, the whole, the whole point of the game is to look at the skills, look at the build, and assess the best way of doing something, or you know, the more, most fun way of doing something." And so, they most people were in admiration of the thought behind the build, and they were glad Frontier, not Frontier, ArenaNet didn't just nerf it outright, but sought to increase player skill level and inventiveness to make it still work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, The Silent Man, Ben, Commander Edelweiss, uh, you have been, um, you've been succeeding in saying absolutely nothing for quite a long time. Do you have any views on exploits in Elite Dangerous and specifically this one? I have many and more, but I was going to save them for next week. (laughs) Good stuff. Excellent. All right, then. So the community question this week, then, um, that I'll uh, I'll stick in here because it's appropriate, is would you use an exploit? Um, and I mean, what I'm really interested in is what do you think an exploit is? Um, because some of them, in our conversation, we, we, we had people saying, oh, you know, there was this and this were allowed and, and I chose not to use them because they're an exploit. And, you know, that sort of self-policing by players interests me because it's deliberately foregoing rewards in a game that's all about um it's all about challenge um because of because you perceive something to be an exploit when the, when the devs don't necessarily see something as an exploit because they they actually frontier did actually say that they don't consider board hopping to be um to be a um a correctable uh you know they don't consider it to be worthy of of correction or or credit um confiscation because it's because it's how the game works um so when when you've got frontier saying that something's okay but then players are are still f- deciding not to do it themselves as most of us do that you know that that's interesting that's that that sort of implies that um that players are relatively self-policing um so the the question is would you use an exploit specifically what do you think of this one going at setting up a ship to go afk with um what do you consider okay that some other people might think is an exploit um and conversely what do you think is too much what do you think is too exploitative of the game um this is this is going to be a really interesting one, and I suspect that this will lead to a really, really good discussion next week. So please do email in um, or uh, or tweet us or uh, ping us on Discord. Um, I'll read out the, our communication stuff uh, at the end. Um, but uh, but yeah, please do please do give us your thoughts on that. And if the rest of you are happy, I think we'll touch on the some of the community stuff. Um, there was a video from Science Keeper uh, called Why Should I Bother Playing Elite Dangerous? I did watch a little bit of this. It's in German, isn't it? Ben, can you tell us about this? Are you sure you watched it? Because there's no words. But the guy um, is German. Oh, okay. Uh, no, it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful video that the guy's done. Um, <clears throat> um, and it just it just shows off Elite Dangerous to 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 nearly well it just it's a lovely looking video well worth a watch and just like i remember that game it's um yeah it's it's lovely yeah. uh it was um a very nice kind of recap of of uh of what is beautiful about it i thought yeah 
Um, in other community news, the truckers uh, claim of sorry, gone. We've minor update on that. It's not six hundred now. Uh, it was six hundred. Now it's over eight hundred thousand. Jesus, what this evening? It so six hundred thousand when we put this into the show notes uh, this morning, and eight hundred thousand twenty four. Eight, well, 824,125 now. Oh, no. Oh, God. 824,147 now. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's incredible. So, yeah, it, it, earlier earlier today, we put um, in our show notes, truckers, the tr- uh, Hutton Orbital truckers claim to have saved over 600,000 people from Lave Station. That has now ballooned to that number that uh, Ben just yeah. read out. That's incredible. And Etienne Dawn is very happy. <laughs> uh, I, I, um, before, these are obviously, final figures are not in, but I have to give massive props to the Adam uh, 2315, who was rescued by himself, 42,313 passengers. The Cleaner mm. has rescued 33,000. For the Mug Mustang has rescued 24,000. And out of the squadrons who are taking part, the truckers have 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 saved four hundred fifty six thousand six hundred seventy passengers. Paladin Consortium seventy seventy eight thousand five hundred twenty eight, and Lave Radio Network. You know, all three of us twenty four thousand eight hundred eighty eight passengers. Isn't the isn't the isn't the cleaner someone who goes to a murder scene, and possibly. Possibly, yeah. A bit like, well, Leon is a cleaner. Yes. Yes. Do we know how, what, pro- what proportion of the total population of Lave that is? Like, that must be, that must be a not... Well, Lave has got enough. over 10 billion people. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, Jesus. Uh, got to move on, people. Uh, how many of them live in Lave Station? On- so, <laughs> so, so are they evacuating them from the planet, even though the planet is perfectly safe? Like- yeah, I, don't, I don't know if we actually know how many people live in a station. Let's... Does it break it down that far? That's what I'm going to go and have a look. I don't think it does. Um, nope, it doesn't actually say how many people live on the station. But um, I gather that Atris told me the other day that um, if you if you actually if you, the number of people that you rescue exceeds the um, the population of the system, um, the the asset actually changes to the repairing station, and the um, the evacuation mission stops spawning. So you can't actually evacuate more people than the system has inhabitants, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, anyway, Commander Phoenix Defire is still being flogged as we speak. His latest archives of the Sanctimonious crew have been released. The crew were involved in the fight for HIP 53530 system against Jupiter Rochester, and the exploits can be found under the events section of the forum, or you can follow the links that will be in our show notes. Um, and then the last piece of community news is that Malik VR, it, um, it says he's putting together an online mind map like this is a new thing. But I'm pretty sure that Malik VR's Galnet mind map is, is years old. I remember covering it in Sagittarius Eye about it three years ago. It is years, years old. So he was using it on a, basically at a local of an application. Um, yeah. And he's basically porting that into an online tool after his mind map turned into something that was like 25 gigabytes or something ridiculous. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Okay, yeah. Well, the, the link to that is um, the link to that's in the show notes as well, and it is it's pretty impressive actually. Um, it it always reminds me of just the sheer but, volume of lore that Elite Dangerous has. 
one of the things that is awesome about it is, you know how you were saying about you don't know who these people are who have been murdered? Yeah. This mind map tells you exactly who they are, what story they've been involved in, and the links that we miss because it's like referencing somebody from three years ago, you know, who was like mentioned once or something stupid like that. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. kind of detail he's got in this thing, and it's just... Yeah, and he's, he's building up his online one. Um, but it's going to be a hell of a resource when it's eventually done. Mm, yeah, I imagine we'll find that really useful at Sagi. Um, oh, yeah, Sagi will find a great Garnet News Digest, brilliant, all that kind of good stuff. Actually, on that subject, I might as well slip this into the community news. Um, we are bringing back the print edition of Sagittarius Eye, and currently the release date that we're targeting is... Um, uh, is Friday the 23rd of April, um, so next month. Um, this might possibly slip depending on how good the photography suite is in, in the Odyssey Alpha because we need uh, we need to be able to get into that and take decent screenshots. But assuming that it's good and assuming that we can get lots of lovely screenshots with ease and everything goes smoothly, the not only will you get the normal, um, the regular lovely podcast release uh, next month, but also the uh, the PDF edition of Sagittarius Eye will uh, will return as well, um, which we're really really excited about. And um, and Odyssey and, and all the all the and the return of Galnet and all that sort of thing has really enthused our team. And and there's so much energy in our in the online offices. It's um, it's really exciting. So yeah, look forward to that. Um, and I believe something else is happening on Thursday, Suv. Is it issue twenty four? Sorry, thirty four. Thirty four. Yeah. Hey, lovely. What's in that one? Uh, stuff and more stuff. Um, <laughs> do you really want me to go and find out, or? No, sorry, I wondered whether you knew off the top of your head because you're a bit closer to it. Of course, I, I don't. Um, <laughs> I just copied and pasted what Mac told me. Cool. Uh, I well, could, yes, I could find out. Head to www.sagittarius-i.com to get uh, the next edition of our podcast, which released. Uh, okay, which here releases... we go. Here, right. Go on then. In this edition, we take a look at why the Empire is having so much NML despite its firepower and galactic influence. Then, to, cop off our, to cap off our series of articles on SRV racing, we will spill the secrets of, of the trade and show you how to drive an SRV like you've never done before. Not content with the capabilities with the SRV, we have a guide on how to make the... Um, we have a guide on how to make the best use of glowing balls of death that spew forth into... Oh, when you install a, install a plasma accelerator. Uh, finishing off with this issue, we have an ode to a flight to a flight assist. And that, that, I have to admit, is actually a beautiful The poem is really good. Yeah, the poem's awesome. Uh, and so that poem's go. very nicely read by Poet Sparrow. Read by an actual poet. There you go. Card-carrying poet. And if... The rest of you are happy. I think we'll probably move on to the shout-outs. Does anybody have any final business? Uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. Um, if someone wants to pay me six billion credits, I can ensure the safe return of Colin. Brilliant. Good stuff. Um, all right, then. Well, our, um, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, broadcasts on Thursdays from 8.30. You can tune in at twitch.tv forward slash Hutton Orbital Truckers, or if you just want the audio, you can go to radio.forthemug.com. Um, if you like CQC, or as it's been rebranded, Arena, 
you can uh, get much more of it by going to the CQC Discord at discord.me forward slash Elite Dangerous CQC. Um, we are also giving shout outs to the following Elite Dangerous podcasts, um, which have appeared over the last year or so and are um, and are excellent. So there is uh, Loose Screws, Elite Week, Flight Assist. Uh, there's the Elite Cast for Spanish speakers. There's the Canon Podcast. There's the Fatherhood Podcast. There's Squeaking Fuel. Uh, there's System Chat, which is hosted by our very own uh, lovely guest, uh, WK Jez. And um, there's Guard Frequency, who primarily talk about the other game, but they do occasionally talk about Elite as well. Um, there is Algarab AM, which is an Elite Dangerous podcast. Um, following this, we have the latest Galnet News Digest, as provided by Commander Wotherspoon. Uh, if you haven't had enough of, um, of British people talking about Elite Dangerous, then stay tuned for more of that. Um, well, thanks to those who have chipped in on Twitch chat and the in-game commanders who have been hanging out in uh, in Lave with Ben. Ben, have there been any commanders hanging out with you in Lave? I've actually... There were a bunch of commanders who were around in Lave, and I basically had to leave them all alone because they were pad-blocking. <laughs> so, yeah, I wasn't open, and you, you couldn't land in open, and my passengers were getting increasingly irate. Then I hmm. went off to the Hutton truck and I couldn't land in the Hot and Truckers group. My passengers were getting irate. Then I went into Fleetcom, and I couldn't land in Fleetcom because my path and my passengers. Is that why your ointment is running out? Is because you've been well. I was giving them rubbing the oint. You've been rubbing yeah. the ointment over them to keep them just to get in. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Helps helps you slip in, doesn't it? Makes you. It does. Makes it you, does. Yeah. 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 I get it. I get it, Ben. Um, so yeah, thank you to, uh, to Commander Edelweiss for um, for his liberal ointment application this evening. Thank you to Commander Shan uh, for updating us on his brood of bugaleers. Thank you very much to Jez for joining us from System Chat. I hope you've enjoyed it, Jez. I have, and I've been inspired because the first thing I'm going to do after this podcast is go out in the garden, get my portable phone box, change my shoe, um, suit, and uh, polish me helmet. <laughs> ben could probably help you out there. Um, so with the ointment, yes, please. <laughs> I was thinking the polishing, but whatever. polishing with, with ointment on. <laughs> uh, anyway, that is it for another episode of Lave Radio. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with the show, and particularly if you want to, um, uh, if you want to chip in on a community question this week, then uh, please do email into info at laveradio.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash radio. Uh, sorry. Ugh forward slash Lave Radio. Tweet us on at Lave Radio. Um, you can join us on Discord by going to discord.io forward slash Lave Radio. And we also have a TeamSpeak server, which you can find at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Um, do get in touch if you have any questions or there is anything you'd like us to cover in a future episode. We, are, we really do love hearing from listeners and it does inform what we talk about. Um, so don't be shy. Um, Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 and streamed out at laveradio.com forward slash live. Thanks to all of you who I've already thanked and special thanks to uh, Commander Ventura for um, his patience this evening. Uh, until next time, Commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Is your life like this? Is your
Forget the Uranus talk. This is the new outro. According to uh, scientists, Uranus is full of methane gas. You've been dying for something to replace your Uranus. I think you're right, though, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) What have you done with Shan, and when can we have him back? I don't know. I'm quite attached to this one, to be honest. Yeah, that that butt-clenching really was awesome. Galnet News Digest, 16th of March, 3307. Reread the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, the nine burning stations and what they mean. What next for the galaxy? The nine burning stations and what they mean. Nine starports were bombed by the Neo-Marlinist Liberation Army last week. Nine starports for the nine terrorists who died at Kepler Orbital, rather than be interrogated by Imperial torturers working for Denton Petraeus. But why these starports in particular? What do they tell us about the NMLA's priorities? Who do they see as the enemy, and why? It's clear that, as they said in their Nine Martyr statement, the NMLA is treating Federation and Alliance as complicit in the oppression the Marlinists have suffered at the hands of Denton Petraeus and the Empire. As well as three Imperial stations, three Federal stations and two Alliance stations have also been attacked. The Joker in the pack is Independent Lave Station, which has Alliance history and is still closely associated with Edmund Mann. So it may be that the NMLA are a bit hazy about current galactic politics. Let's have a closer look at each of the systems that were attacked, starting with the Imperial systems. Achenar is the system where it all started. A little over 1,000 years ago, Marlin Duval, an outspoken and wealthy child of the Federation, fed up with the corporate grind, established her democratic colony on Achenar 6D in the year 2292. And it is that ideal colony that the Marlinists, and apparently the NMLA, want to return to. But very soon after, almost before the colony had become self-sufficient, things started to change. Marlin was killed, 
or possibly murdered, in a shuttle crash. And a brother, Henson Duval, took over as leader. He methodically evolved the system of government to give himself more powers, using the ancient Roman and British empires as his model. By the time he declared himself emperor of this sleepy backwater colony, there was nothing dissenters could do to stop him. The distance between Sol and Achenar was such that the Federation was unable to stop this change of government. Their attempt at gunboat diplomacy in 2324 was a disaster and eventually sowed the seeds for the Empire to expand into neighbouring systems with minimal interference. It's the seat of imperial government and Dawes Hub is one of the three luxuriously appointed Orbis starports that provide supplies and services to the three Earth-like worlds, New World, Conversion and Capital, which is where the Senate sits. Attacking Dawes Hub might easily have caused casualties among the highest echelons of imperial government, but there is, as yet, no word on any high-profile casualties. The Emperor's personal power base is in Kamadenu and its Shan Market starport, another Orbis and home of the Chapter House of Inquisition, was the second of the attacked stations. It's not known if the Emperor was there or in Achenar at the time of the bombings. She's not been seen in public since the bombing and has issued no statements. In fact, Emperor Arissa has said very little about anything in public for some time. She spoke at Prince Harold's funeral and she spoke briefly about admitting Hadrian Duval into the Imperial family, but she said nothing about the NMLA terrorists at all. However, as the Imperial figurehead, she's automatically a target of anti-Imperial terrorists. The third Imperial starport bombed belongs to Senator Denton Petraeus, a hate figure among Marlinists generally for his brutal suppression of the peaceful movement for change, as well as what Chancellor Blaine described as his counterproductive tactics against the NMLA terrorists. Parkinson Dock in the Artiensis is naturally enough a well-appointed Orbis starport, although it's currently a little warmer than is comfortable for its residents. We can only wonder what atrocities the good senator will perpetrate as revenge for this attack on his home. Princess Ashling Duval's system, Semius, has escaped attack this time round, though of course Mackenzie Relay in Semius was one of the first stations to be attacked by the NMLA on the 10th of September last year, and a father, Mad Prince Harold, was one of the early casualties. Notably, Senator Zamina Torval, preposterously wealthy slave owner and chief shareholder in Mastopolis Mining, and who, like Emperor Arissa, did not attend the Galactic Summit, and has so far escaped any sort of attack with the Lagerquist Gateway and William Sargent Vision starports in the system she represents, Sintani, entirely untouched by the NMLA's creative restylings. Torval has never once mentioned the Marlinists or the NMLA, Perhaps they've passed her over as a target. The Federation seat of government, Saul, was a key target. Strangely, the NMLA did not attack the most prestigious station, Mars High, but instead attacked one of the three stations orbiting Earth, the not particularly luxurious Orbis station, Li Qingzhao, named after the engineer who invented the hyperdrive. Whether by luck or judgment, the blast from the explosion killed Vice President Brad Mitchell and a number of other senior members of the federal government. Vice President Mitchell's bid to become federal president in the 3309 election is therefore presumably at an end. 
The other two federal systems attacked were the systems represented by President Hudson and by Shadow President Winters. Hudson and Winters took very different approaches to the Marlinist refugees, with Hudson keen to turn them back at the border and Winters offering them temporary federal citizenship, food and accommodation, until they could be rehomed. This pro-Marlinist stance doesn't seem to have done Winters very much good, with Ito Orbital, an Orbis in Winters' constituency, Rhea, attacked with the others on Thursday. Hudson's Nanomam system suffered an attack on Han Gateway. Yet another Orbis. Shadow Vice President Isolde Rochester's system Altair was untouched, as was that of the late lamented Vice President Mitchell. Ex-President Jasmina Halsey, who attended the Galactic Summit, is of course no longer an elected official within the Federation. The Alliance suffered two casualties, the two Orbis starports, Donaldson in Alioth, the seat of the government, and Dublin Citadel in Gateway, which is unsurprisingly the system Prime Minister Mahan represents, and also the home of the Alliance Office of Statistics. The objective of this worthy organisation is to use statistics to ensure the safety and prosperity of the Alliance, so you can imagine how worrisome it is that it has had to suspend its operations temporarily. Who is enumerating the Diso Markhorn harvest now? Who will run the Alliance census? Who will conduct opinion polls ahead of the Prime Ministerial election? Prime Minister Mahan, like Federal Shadow President Winters, welcomed Marlinist refugees. It's his rival Nakato Kane, the anti-expansionist darling of liberal thought within the Alliance, who stood up against the Alliance getting involved in the Marlinist crisis. And yet the system she is most strongly identified with, Leasty, escaped attack. Is the NMLA punishing the friends of the Marlinists? Lave Station in Lave is the odd one out. The independent starport that got bombed anyway and the only Coriolis to come under attack. Lee Yong-Rui, Archon Delane, Yuri Grom and Pranav Antal all escaped attack. There must be something special about Lave. It is traditionally an alliance system. There is still a large alliance presence. The alliance still recognises Lave as an alliance system, even though its supporters there are in a minority. So perhaps that gave the NMLA sufficient reason to attack Lave. Or perhaps the NMLA have a particular grudge against the Lave Radio Network. A slightly far-fetched theory is that the Lavian distillery was so embarrassed at having run out of stocks of Lavian brandy following the unprecedented demand in the run-up to the Galactic Summit that, rather than admit to this failing, it conducted a massive false flag operation using a thyroid caustic enzyme bomb to damage Lave Station and thus close the market for Lavian brandy so the shortfall couldn't be seen. And that it similarly bombed eight high-profile targets throughout the galaxy – to throw investigators off the scent. Does that sound far-fetched? If it doesn't, you haven't been keeping up with the Galnet news. However, the use of Thargoid weaponry does seem to point rather heavily towards the NMLA. Only one other organisation has access to such weapons, and that's the Thargoids. What next for the galaxy? The rescue effort at all nine starports is well underway, with this special enthusiasm being shown at Federal and Imperial stations, where commanders' superpower reputation can be given a healthy boost when they help out. 
It's likely that at least some starports will complete the evacuation phase by Thursday and the process of repairing them can start. But the NMLA is still out there. Theta 7 is no doubt planning further attacks. President Hudson, spurred on by the death of his deputy, seems likely to take the fight to the NMLA. Will he work alongside Senator Petraeus? Will the galaxy become a gigantic bloodbath? Will the Alliance help out in any small way? Uh, assuming it can put its ambivalence to one side for a minute. Or will the Emperor come forward with a diplomatic approach? Will Zamina Torval be revealed to be the mastermind behind the NMLA? For that matter, will the Sirius Treaty to bring humanity together to oppose the alleged Thargoid onslaught ever be signed? Will our octagonal galactic companions come back to visit us? Will Aegis be able to find a new Guardian technology? How likely is it that the sister ship to the Adamaster, the Hesperus, will ever be found? Is it really less than two weeks until we can start to try out walking about on planets? Will we ever get to shake a Thargoid warmly by the pincer and declare galactic unity? The answers to some of these questions may come sooner than we think. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. I could murder a cup of tea. Yorkshire gold, if you have it. Double Yorkshire gold. <laughs> and if you don't have it, you're dead. Lave Radio, broadcasting to every corner of the galaxy. The Red Planet Taxi Service have recently moved into the luxury liner market, and their flagship... Big Red Taxi has been plying the space lanes in Wolf 25 for some weeks now. We join Trace and Chantal in the food prep area on board. All right, Chantal, do business class and you do luxury this time, all right, babe? Tea, coffee, coffee, tea, tea, coffee, coffee, tea, tea, coffee, tea, madam. Don't you, madam, enjoy your tea, madam. Tea, coffee, coffee, tea. Oh, could I have an orange juice, please? Tea, coffee, coffee, tea. Oh, yes, but I'd like an orange juice if I could, please. Tea, coffee, coffee, tea. Oh, okay. Uh, tea then, please. Tea, sir? Certainly, sir. Enjoy your tea, sir. Tea, coffee, coffee, tea. Tea, coffee, coffee, tea. Tea, coffee. Coffee, tea, tea, coffee, coffee, tea, tea, coffee, coffee, tea, tea. Oh, you get all sorts here. Smells like it too. Mirth, horrible stains, marigolds. Much more. There you go. Donkey dick. It says here. Next. My dear man. Cocks. Like an obese child. No. Teabag. Bye-bye. It's the 34th century. What the fuck's that? Patient. Nada. Sounds like Jesse. Because it is Michelle. This is Beyond Dockers. Dockers.
Beyond Dockers, a mockumentary podcast available at bs-dockers.com. Also on iTunes. Score a lot. In the bi-weekly newsletter, here come paint jobs for your arts. In the bi-weekly newsletter, here come paint jobs for your arts. A store alert, a store alert, a store alert, a store alert, a store Lovely. I'll All right. Well, I'll um, I'll finish off the I'll finish off the shout outs then. Uh, I'm terribly sorry to those regular listeners who have been horribly discombobulated by uh by this cock up. Our regular service will resume next week with um Colin being back from his um. Assuming we can reconstitute reconstitute him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If we can put <laughs> together, then can your regular Colin, host will return. And can Colin borrow your ointment to heal? Uh, I've got a lot of it left. I've used most of my ointment. Great. Um, so not its body, uh, Suv. <laughs> <laughs> it points the it puts the lotion on its skin. Nail.